0: Chapter Five. Coming home. Bosch, late spring, twenty three forty nine. Miriam Bosch shook her head and set the calm down on the small light wooden table that sat near her comfortable chair up in the bedroom. So, Teddy was bringing home a stray. She should have seen this coming when he told her he and the old unit were running a mission. Her husband had always been a soft touch to the impoverished drifters in other lands, who often accosted the glitter units as they came and went from their vessels to make a trade. But that was back in the day, when glitter missions were the daily fare. Usually, he had simply given them whatever markers he had on hand that weren't promised to the quartermaster, or he had brought a meal for them. But this time, he had outdone himself. He was bringing an escaped thrall home. She stood and started to tidy the room she was in as she considered what she had just agreed to moving from the bed to the dresser and finishing in the large walk in closet Teddy had built after their last child had left home. It's not like they hadn't taken one of Mimi's friends in for a few months during the girl's last year of secondary school when her parents were in a bad place, and she knew this would be a far shorter stay than that. What does one need when escaping slavery? she pondered. The same thing one needs when birthing, safety, nourishment, and rest. She could make those things happen. She went to a drawer in her room. Her hand scrabbled about in the contents for a moment, and then she pulled out a hair tie, using it to fashion her shoulder-length mane of wavy silver hair into a quick ponytail. She leaned down and picked up one of Teddy's sweaters where it had been left the evening before. She held it to her face, as she always secretly did with Teddy's tops, and inhaled. He had teased her one spring long ago that she smelled of violets and birth. She rather liked the description, but teased back that he smelled of wet burlap and exhaust, this being the days biodiesel was still used. But really, he smelled of wood smoke and the sea, of home and adventure. With a little musky hint for fun, Miriam smiled to herself. She would do anything for Teddy, as he would for her. She went to prepare for the stray. She went up to Mimi's old room, now considerably smaller since the remodel, and verified that the sheets and blankets were clean and fresh. She did a quick wipe down of the bedside table that had accumulated a bit of dust since last the room was occupied. As she dusted the decorations and a small red clock that had been in her family for generations, her hand hesitated. Should she put them away? No, she decided. I will be as trusting as Teddy. She opened a window to let in the fresh spring air and headed down to the kitchen to pull some food together for the girl and for herself and Teddy. She could just imagine what the kids would have to say about this. Now that Peter was 30 plus, he had taken to judging and commenting on his parents' choices almost as much as when he was 13. She had just finished rinsing the strawberries when she heard a vehicle pull up. Strange. Usually Teddy walked home from the base. She wiped her hands on the towel she had slung over her shoulders and went to the front door. She saw Betsy sitting in the driver's seat of her new Pride and Joy vehicle, paused on the road in front of their stately brick home. She waved to her, walking quickly toward them, as Teddy got out of the back seat and opened the front passenger door. A young woman stepped out, looking all around at her surroundings, turning her head from one side to the other, as if she expected attackers to be coming at her. That shouldn't be surprising, given what she's been through, Miriam, she told herself. She paused briefly. Does she have hold of old Ellis's pistol? How on earth? Indeed, the young woman was holding one of Teddy's father's Glock 147s in her left hand, pointing heavily toward the ground. There's a story there, I'm sure. She was no longer apprehensive as the young woman seemed to have no idea what to do with the pistol. And Teddy's body was at ease, so that was enough for her. Miriam heard Betsy murmur something from inside the vehicle and the young woman ducked her head and looked into the front seat, lifting the pistol with her head tilted at it, nodding slightly, tucking it in the belt around her tunic, and then speaking to Betsy, lifting her hand in farewell and stepping back. She turned to face Teddy. Miriam was fascinated and approached the vehicle. Teddy reached over and grasped Miriam's hand in his and gave her a small kiss on the cheek. She could feel him being carefully formal. He looked into her eyes and she could see that he knew this was a big ask. But he also looked strangely committed. Miriam, this is Cat Wallace. I told her you'd take care of her. Cat, this is Miriam, midwife extraordinaire and also lucky enough to be married to me. I believe the luck runs the other way, Miriam said quickly. She and Teddy laughed softly at this customary banter, and Miriam reached up and gently touched Teddy's face. Then she saw the foundling looking at them, with an expression of, well, She wasn't sure if it was more surprise or more disapproval. Teddy stepped back so Miriam could look at this young waif. She was a bit taller than Miriam, and while not exactly thin, had an underfed look to her. Her arms and shoulders were well muscled, but her face looked drawn. There was a long slash across her throat that looked to be only a few days healed, with some makeshift butterfly bandages loosely adhered. Even from a few feet back, Miriam could smell the dried sweat and urine and blood on this girl. Her hair was light brown, she supposed. But it was hard to tell, as there was mud smeared in most of it, and a spot half the size of her palm that was bare on her scalp and oozing blood that had dripped and dried in the rest of the shoulder-length dirty locks. Her eyes were a lovely shade of blue-green. She wore an oversized Bosch summer tunic, but at the hem, Miriam could see flimsy fabric underneath that was dirty and torn but in the style of the Bell Coast people. The pistol in her belt, though, that was pure bosh. Her face was smeared with mud on one side that she could see the girl had tried to wipe away. She could also see the yellow and blue of a fading bruise on her face. She wondered how many other bruises were on her. Miriam looked into the young woman's eyes. Teddy had said there was fire there. She could see that, because even in her sorry state, this cat he had brought home stood tall but what she also saw in the eyes was a beseeching look that implored Miriam to keep her safe. She had seen that look in her birthing client's eyes as they moved into the hardest parts of labor, the part where they danced near the veil. Her heart expanded as she drew close to the woman. I will certainly take care of you, Ms. Wallace. Let's get into the house and get you a decent meal. Then we'll tend to your wounds. She smiled. If you'd like an arm about you and opened her arm in invitation. She could feel the woman's body melt into hers as she let go of her caution. Come on, Teddy. She began to walk with the girl towards the house. Then she paused and said over her shoulder, Thanks for bringing them home, Betsy. She thought that was a strange thing to hear coming from her own lips, but for some reason, she felt like her family was now complete. As Miriam lay next to her husband in bed that night, she thought about this Katrina. Sleeping soundly in the room closest to theirs across the hall. The young woman had eaten, first sparingly, then with more gusto as the plates of food kept being offered. She had gratefully accepted a glass of Miriam's favorite wine, though she declined a refill. Good girl, Miriam had thought. Keep your wits about you in a new place. Then Miriam had taken her upstairs to bathe her and clean her wounds. The young woman had been polite and appreciative before this. Miriam could tell she was keeping a tight hold on her emotions. It was not until she was in the bath and Miriam was trying to make sense of her tangled, filthy hair that she broke down into guttural sobs. The torrent of emotion was so strong that Miriam had simply slid into the tub next to her, fully dressed, as she had done countless other times at difficult births. But there was no babe emerging now, just the pent-up grief and agony and anger of a tortured soul. She held her close, and encouraged her tears and rocked back and forth as she had done with her little ones years before. By the time the storm of emotion had passed, the bathwater was cold and the bubbles long gone. Katrina had tried to apologize, but Miriam hushed her, drained the tub, and ran in a new round of warm water. Then she had gone and slipped out of her wet things and into a robe, bringing up a bottle of wine and two glasses. They had sipped and chatted about where Kat was from, And what had transpired to bring her here as Miriam washed her hair and then trimmed it short. She knew that there was much the young woman was still holding back, as her body told a history as well. But that was all right. Miriam would listen as she needed to. She wrapped Kat in soft towels and showed her some of Mimi's stored clothing that she thought would fit her. Then she went downstairs and made a tray of fruit and cheese and brought it up to the bedroom. When she knocked, though, she got no response. She quietly pushed open the door and peeked in. Katrina lay in the bed with the covers pulled around her and one bare arm flung off the side of the bed. Her eyes were closed and she was breathing heavily and steadily. Miriam set the tray of food down on the side table and gently lifted the errant arm and tucked it beneath the covers. She smoothed the damp, short curls and eyed the bandages she had applied to the neck wound. Then she did as she always did when she tucked her children in. She leaned over and kissed her on the forehead and murmured. Sweet dreams, child. Mama is near. To her surprise, the young woman stirred sleepily and rolled over, whispering. Thanks, Mama. Miriam smiled.